lastly, I want to introduce you to our preacher this morning, Pastor Charles. So let's say welcome to Charles. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the river. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Looks like half the church is still getting back or something. <laughs> it's that weekend, isn't it? That, that travel, the... Aren't you glad you're not at the airport right now? Oh, my. That could be something, especially this year when everyone's traveling, right? So we're happy you're here enjoying ourselves. It's great. Um, today, we start an important season in church calendar called the Advent. Have you heard of Advent season? It's the period of four weeks leading up to Christmas, traditionally used by church to prepare our hearts to celebrate Christmas. And this year, we are starting a sermon series to coincide with Advent focused on the theme of community and the theme of church. Because that's appropriate, right? Christ coming, church, it's sort of that season. So today's sermon is titled, Why Church? And in particular, why the river, this church? Why? What's in it? Why would you bother? What are the benefits? What are the expectations? Why should you investigate church community? And to kick it off, I'd like to invite a recent member. You know, we had a great membership class that just wrapped up last Sunday. We had like 20 people attend. Um, and church our size, that's a good number. I mean, at our peak, we had like 50 members, 50 people join in membership, but that was when we were 10 times the size. <laughs> Excuse me, it makes me laugh. <laughs> but anyway, so it was a great great attendance, and like 14 people signed up right away, and five, six more people are considering uh, in the next couple of weeks, so it was a great time, um, and Elliot is one of those new members, and so please welcome Elliot as he shares about his experience here. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you. Good morning, River Church. Uh, my name is Elliot, and I am a physician specializing in infectious diseases, so you can imagine what it's been like for me uh, the last three years with COVID-19, and uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say we've been through a lot, right? <laughs> um, but today, I am so happy and privileged to stand here and share why I have chosen to be a member of this church community. Um, it's been a long road to get here. I began my faith journey as a teen with many questions revolving around God's love and expectations, also my sexual orientation, and what the next 25 years would involve for my career. Unfortunately, I encountered many toxic teachings about sexual orientation and sexuality, and also toxic teachings about gender identity, gender roles, and race ethnicity in traditional evangelical church settings. And that is why many 
of my friends and me uh, and I decided uh, to leave these institutions uh, around uh, our post-college years. Ironically, it took another gay man to bring me back to church, uh, my husband Munib Rod, uh, married since 2016, uh, who has a remarkable gift of seeing the beauty in the church community at large, despite all the conflicts. He is a therapist who also loves music, as I do, and we enjoyed the dynamic worship and praise that we encountered at the River Church every Sunday morning. Uh, in May of 2019, we started attending the River Church and were impressed by the consistent message of inclusion for LGBTQ Christians like us, along with a theology that supported this inclusion rooted in agape, unconditional love. This theological basis was very important for me because it signaled the firm commitment that the leadership and pastoral staff had to people like us and that the policy wouldn't change next week after an announcement slipped into the weekly bulletin. <laughs> Furthermore, I noticed that family members of LGBTQ Christians at the river also sought this same message, and that bolstered my faith in the church's commitment to this key principle. Um, I have spoken a lot about LGBTQ Christians. Um, however, it was also important to me that the message of inclusion be extended to other people, too. Over the years, I have seen many groups excluded from the church community, and I wanted to be in a church where no one felt ostracized based on their gender, race or ethnic group, marital status, whether divorced, separated, or single. The church, the River Church, fit the ball, fit the bill, excuse me, in terms of extending this message of agape to people of all different stories and backgrounds. And I have heard firsthand similar testimonies during Sunday morning service from people with different experiences from me, yet we're looking for that unconditional love found in the message of the cross. I want to thank you for this moment to share my story, and I look forward to getting to know all of you as new members, uh, as a new member of the River Church NYC. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. Great to have you, and Munib. It's a real addition to our community. And the first thing I want to say is, Elliot, I am sorry for your hurtful experiences when you were younger. Church shouldn't be like that, right? Church should be a safe space for everyone, life-giving space for everyone. But that's not always the case. Church can be a double-edged sword at times. It can be a source of life, and it can be a source of hurt. On one hand, church can be a great place where you can form wonderful, great relationships, and that's great because we need relationships. A recent study I read says Loneliness can accelerate the aging process more than smoking. Can you believe that? We live longer, healthier, and happier lives when we are connected to others. 
So human beings are built to live in connection. And church can be a wonderful source of connection, so that's great. But relationships, as we well know, can bring hurt as well. And church is no exception. As much good as church has done over the centuries, there has been a lot of harm and abuse and manipulation done in church settings as well. For example, the LGBTQ community has been subjected to tremendous harm. Yet, here's the central reason why I've given my life to building churches over so many years despite all the problems. It's because I believe that agape, this Greek word agape, which means unconditional love, should be the central value in my faith and in my life. I'm convinced that agape is the antidote I need to live well in this world, this world that judges me constantly and judges you constantly, ranking, comparing, where do you stand, what's your status, on some attribute or condition 24-7, it can be your job title. It can be the color of your skin. It can be your sexual orientation. It can be your education. Anything, something. You know, social media. How good of a vacation you have. How happy your children look. Anything can be used to rank ourselves and compare. And that's where the gospel message of agape, this, this message of unconditional affirmation of your worth as equivalent to God incarnate can be so invaluable, acting as an antidote to the message of the world that's constantly judging you and is source of such unhappiness. Don't you think? I'm sure this comes as no surprise to any of you who've been coming for more than a week or two. <laughs> but agape is just something that is so central to this church because it's, it's so central to the Bible and the gospel. Let me cite you some passages to show you what the Bible says about agape because it's not so well known for some reason not so widely preached. But I'm just going to cite you just a few passages. It's everywhere in the Bible. This is the greatest and first commandment, agape God above all else. And the second is like it, you shall agape your neighbor as yourself. On this hang all the commands of the Bible. Anyone who agape has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not agape does not know God, for God is agape. It sounds like agape is the, the yardstick. Anyone, any human being, meaning you could be a Christian, non-Christian, you could be anyone. Agape is what decides whether you belong to God or does not belong to God. What a statement, yeah? 
All the commands of the Bible are summed up in one principle, agape. For agape does no harm. Therefore, agape is the fulfillment of everything the Bible requires. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through agape. Only thing. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have agape. That's Jesus. If you're a Christian, the only thing that decides whether you are a follower of Jesus is agape, is what he's saying, right? You can have all the faith in the world. You can give everything away in service to God. You can have every spiritual power, but without agape, you have nothing. It may all look great on the outside, but it achieves nothing of substance. I mean, just over and over, it hits you in the head, does it not? That it's the only thing, it's everything, it's the only measure. Agape is so important. And I have so much to say on this, as you know, again and again. But for today, let me begin with something that's very obvious. Forgive me if it's so obvious. But what I want to begin with is to say, agape cannot be done by yourself. Right? Obedience can. Righteousness can. Bible, studying the Bible, you can do by yourself. But love cannot be done by yourself, definitionally. Wouldn't you agree? We need each other for that. It has to be practiced and worked out in relationships, in community settings especially a setting where you can meet a variety of people independent of some condition, like family or friends or work. That's where we meet people, right? That's how we form relationships, but that's all dependent on some condition. So to practice and grow in unconditional relationships a setting like church, independent of condition, where you can look around, there's just a variety of people here. I have met so many people in churches that I would never have met otherwise. I just wouldn't have any interest. But here, we can meet people separate from conditions. So, a church community centered on agape is indispensable if you want to grow in agape. And given how important agape is in living life well, this seems important, right? So church is important because of that. So how do we build agape-centered community that we can enjoy together? That's an important question. First, let me tell you the bullet points, and then I'll go over it in detail. Bullet points. No manipulation. No pressure, like guilt or shame, to elicit correct behavior. Respect and dignity for everyone, no exception. Healthy expectations. These are important ingredients to build a healthy agape community. Wouldn't you agree? This list is not comprehensive. There is likely to be more. But these are the four that I could think of. So if you can think of something, do email me. Let's build this together, right? 
But these are the values we are trying to shoot for. Let me go over this in detail. First, no manipulation. Because love and manipulation cannot coexist. Don't you think? As soon as manipulation comes in, love goes out. You can get right behavior by manipulating and pressuring people, but you cannot get love ever. You just lose all possibility of love when you start manipulating. So many churches forget this obvious truth and engage in pressure tactics like guilt and shame to elicit correct behavior, right? There's so much pressure out there. Anybody from Catholic Church? I'm sorry to single that out, but we all know, we've all been part of churches that have used pressure. Jesus died for you, you know, you lazy butts. What have you done for Jesus lately? How could you sit there doing nothing when Jesus died for you, right? You know, you call yourself a good Christian, you know, you know self-flagellate, right? All this pressure because proper behavior, righteous behavior, good Bible knowledge, correct belief is the top priority. Instead of anything else, those are the the most important things that they are going for, so they will use anything to get that. Righteous behavior, correct beliefs. That is so wrong-headed because agape requires freedom. Right? Love requires freedom. It's not love if it doesn't come from the heart freely. It's something else. But that's not love. I mean, if all God wanted was righteousness, correct beliefs, why is this world the way it is with all its mess? Don't you think? Why not create puppets? Why not just have robots? Perfect. Stepford Wives. Anybody know that movie? Remember that movie? Just puppets. Clean, easy. You get righteousness. But no. God doesn't do that. God is as far away from that as is possible as shown in the parable of the prodigal son because God is love. What God wants is love, freely given and freely received. It is the meaning of existence of this universe. Loving relationships, authentic, genuine love. That's why this world exists. Those are precious things. So, we want a church where we can all agree not to harm anyone. Agape does no harm, we just read. No harm. But aside from that, no pressure tactics. That's counterproductive to everything we are going for. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Freedom is so important. Now, pressure and manipulation can be very subtle. It doesn't have to be so obvious. Like visible hierarchy in the community. 
that can act as pressure and manipulation. A lot of Christian communities lift up good Christian leaders as visible role models, visibly high up and give them status so that other people will do more and give more and serve more. You can do that. And, you know, in old days, churches used to have pews and there would be like VIP sections, basically, right? They would have names, family names in the pews because they're given a lot. They would have plaques on church walls of people who given. I remember when I was young, um, my grandma forced me to go to a Korean church for a short time because I was a teenager. That was never going to happen for a long time. But anyway, I remember going to these churches and they would have programs that they hand out and so people are nodding there already. They would have like names, yes, names of everyone who tithes. Who, yes, tithe, yeah, they know. <laughs> they all do that. You know, people who give lots of money to the church, they have their names printed to, like, give them status, right? And even as a young kid, that just struck me as so wrong. Even as an unbeliever, I thought, this is, churches shouldn't do this. I don't believe this, but this doesn't sound right. Because I think I was on to something, that the gospel message is this that we are all, every one of us, are all worth the life of God incarnate. How do you add status to that? By giving some money. You know what I mean? That's just laughable. You can't have a leg up on another person in your worth and standing before God because you've given some money. That's insulting. How dare you? We're talking about the life of God incarnate. How do you add to that? You can't. It's not agape. Now, let me be clear. We do need your giving <laughs> and serving as a church. Otherwise, we will cease to function, but it must come freely from the heart without any sense of manipulation or wrong motivation. The only reward you can look for in giving and serving is the joy of seeing the fruit of your giving and serving in the lives being changed, in the healings that people are experiencing, in the joy that you see in the eyes of people so they are lighting up because of the gospel hitting them. That's the only reward. Not anything extra like recognition and status. Wouldn't you agree? Right? Are we agreed on that? Good. There is so much manipulation in church space out there. You turn on the TV on Sunday morning. Many of the mega pastors you see there are like decked out in gold chains and got gold watches and and these this phone numbers go in the bottom of the screen, and they say things like, call this number right now, and, you know, give to, you know, donate your money, and give us your prayer request, and you will get healed. You will get prosperity. God will give you ten times what you give to us today. 
You, you know what I'm talking about? It's all over the airwaves. Crazy. Listen. God does not need your money. Right? God who needs your money is not worth following. Right? <laughs> I, I, what is God? Like some kind of scam, pyramid scheme? <laughs> Give to God and then he gives... What? <laughs> God doesn't need your money. Who needs money? Well, I'm going to be very frank. Who needs... This church needs your money. <laughs> right? Because we need to pay salary, we need to pay rent, or this church wouldn't exist. So if you want to keep enjoying this community, you need to give and serve. But it's because you like this church. You like what's happening here. But let's not bring God into this in some weird way. Okay? That's why we have offering boxes back there. We don't pass out baskets because, you know, it, it, there's a little pressure when the basket is going by and you don't want to put any in but everybody's watching you. <laughs> because you know they're watching the basket, right? Pressure, don't you think? We don't do that. We don't want pressure. Another thing we need is honesty and transparency. These are strong values we uh, strive for because honesty and integrity and transparency are all necessary values in healthy relationships. Obvious, right? So we promise not to engage in bait-and-switch tactics. So many churches do this, sadly. For example, with regards to LGBTQ community, so many churches say everyone is welcome here. Just come on in, be part of our church. Only after a while, you attend like membership class, and then you find out they don't let LGBTQ community become members or leaders. They don't do gay weddings. Only after a while. So many people have told me this. Even in the last membership class, many people came up and they talked about their experience in that. Because it's very harmful. Because they are now in a bind. Because they come to a church community, they form the relationship, they become friends, like family friends, like churches are supposed to be. They have lots of friendships and then find out that they don't accept you as you are what do you do now like if you are going to get married who do you invite to your wedding because when they, they say they don't they say that's a sin they condemn you for it a wedding needs to be supported and celebrated how do you invite people who who will who will undermine that so now you have i mean i you are in a very weird headspace now, aren't you? It's very harmful and toxic. That's why now there is like a website called churchclarity.org. Check that out. They tell you like exactly where churches stand because so many churches hide what they really do. That makes me so sad. Why? Why do that? I mean, if you're going to do that, be honest about it at least. Bible tells us, Agape does not deal in deceit, but rejoices in truth. That's, agape cannot 
coexist with lies. Speaking of deceit, some churches engage in cult-like grabbing onto people, right? They don't leave you alone. You have to be careful, like, giving them any information because then they'll just, right? They tell you things like, if you leave us, you're going to hell, right? People do that. The world is ending in four years. Sell everything you have, give to us to reserve your seat in heaven, right? As if they have, like, the power, they're like Ticketmaster with Taylor Swift concerts or something. You know, $40,000 for a ticket to heaven. Jehovah's Witness has done this four times in the last hundred years. I mean, how many times can you predict the end of the world and get away with it and do it again every 20 years? And they just keep doing it. And they just keep getting money out of it. They buy all these buildings down in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> Never mind the obvious scam that it is. Fear tactics are not of God. Why? I can tell you with this every conviction I have because the Bible tells us agape casts out all fear. All fear. Agape and fear cannot exist together. Because fear could elicit right behavior, but fear cannot elicit love. Have you ever tried to make, use fear to make someone love you? Isn't that sick? That'll never work, right? If you use fear to make someone love you, it will never work. They do not go together. They cannot exist together. I have a bit of a problem with how this verse is always translated. This verse is always translated as perfect love casts out all fear. Even though that perfect love never gets used anywhere else agape is used, usually it's just love. Here it says perfect love usually. And what is perfection? There are four words in Greek for love, major words. Like, for example, storge is like mother's love for their children. That can be perfect. Mother's love can be pure, self-sacrificing. It can be perfect. Storge can have perfection. What makes agape? Agape, uniquely agape, is not perfection, but that it is unconditional. If you translate it right, unconditional love casts out all fear, then it makes immediate sense, all the sense in the world, because all fear is condition-dependent. Right? Fear is about being afraid of some condition happening to you. So if you got unconditional love and security in your heart about being the beloved of God, of course that's going to cast out all fear. It's just like obvious statement. Right? So no fear. If you see any preacher traffic in fear, know that they are not of God. Because fear and agape cannot go together. And anyone who does not do agape does not belong to God, as the Bible teaches us. Right? So no fear. 
So all this is to say, we will never be like those stalker cult church that thrives on fear tactics and scamming you. We're not going to do go that way. You are free to come, free to go. Whatever you want to do, freedom. We want you to come and be part of this church, but only if you love the gospel being preached here, only if agape is a cause you want to embrace free, from the heart freely. So now, talk, I talked a lot about what we don't want. Let's talk about what you can expect at the river, expectations. You can expect safe and fun space for community. We have Nintendo down there. We just got a karaoke machine. Who likes karaoke? Yay! Fun and safe space where you can form relationship. At least that is our goal. So things like confidentiality is important. Things like um, no gossip, no abuse, no pressure, no using leadership position for anything improper, integrity in the leaders, transparency in financial matters. You know, we will give you our financial statements to anyone upon request. Care and respect for all, you can and expect such things. But in any church, expectations can get out of hand for any number of reasons. Some folks have been upset here in the past because in their previous church experiences, for example, like small immigrant churches I am used to, people would visit each other every other day. Yeah, right? You know what, what that's like? They get like so enmeshed with each other. They just cook for each other. They're always in each other's face. And there's good in that. I'm not denying that. But here at the river, where freedom is highly valued, that may or may not happen probably will not happen given how everyone is so busy here in this city, right? I mean, I want to spend more time with you all, but I, I got a back problem that requires like 30 hours a week just to be able to function and like all these exercises and stretches. There's only limited amount of time. Plus, to, to get that kind of church, there's usually implicit cultural norms that act as pressure, and we don't want that, Right? It's not that we don't appreciate service and self-sacrifice. I myself have served sacrificially for this church for many, many years. I do get compensation, to be honest, because I do believe my work deserves compensation. But if I deduct what my wife and I give to this church just over the last few years, it's like I've worked for free for the last seven years. It's just all been for free. There is a rich precedence for that. Uh, it's called tent making because Apostle Paul, he wanted to preach and do ministry free of charge to everyone. So he made tent at night to support himself so that he doesn't get any money for him. It's not easy to do that though. You know, to survive in this city, it takes a lot of money. I use my economic stuff to do that. But, so why do I do that? Why, do I, why am I in this ministry? It's because I want to. It's not because someone is putting a gun in my head, <laughs> saying you got to be a pastor. It's not to score points with God. There is no scoring points with God. You know what I believe. It's not because I want status and respect 
and recognition from any of you. That's not a proper reward. The reward I want, the only proper reward is to see lives changed, to see the lights go on in people's eyes, to see the spirits lift up. That's reward enough for me. It energizes me. It, it makes my life feel meaningful. It's wonderful, right? They say you can't buy love. Why? Because you shouldn't expect rewards like status, recognition, money from love. But it is the meaning of life, right? So if you engage in ministry of agape, the only reward is in the lives being changed when I see LGBTQ community that's been subjected to so many wrong-headed condemnations by conservative churches, when, when we as a church community are able to tell them that's wrong, you are beloved as you are, God accepts you fully, agape is unconditional, this is the true message of the gospel, when that hits and the lights go on and I shine, that lifts me up so much. It makes me so happy. You know, there's a rich tradition of church that weaponizes Bible verses to justify slavery, to justify killing infidels, or even among Christians. Did you know there were massacres committed over debates like, is it okay to sprinkle in baptism or you have to be immersed? Amount of water used in baptism. Got people weaponized enough to kill so many people. That's man-made. These condemnations you have experienced are man-made, weaponized, and wrong. Amen? God's love is unconditional. So I want to invite you into that joy. Make agape your cause. People have causes, right? Save the polar bears, climate change, Black Lives Matter. People's hearts, when they are moved, they embrace these causes. I want you to think about making agape your cause in your life. And I want to ask you to consider embracing this church. Because, to be honest, we are like an endangered species here, okay? <laughs> I hear so many people tell me that they've looked for churches like this for so many years and they haven't been able to find it. And they love it. But we're not, I mean, we used to be ten times bigger when we were more conservative evangelical. As soon as we decided to embrace the LGBT community because of our convictions in unconditional love, we shrank. And there isn't a lot out there. So how about making this your cause if you believe or agree with what I have said? It's worth having a community space like ours. Because like I said, the world is constantly judging us. We're like addicts living in a liquor store. Judging and ranking is in the air. So we all need a place where we can get regular injections of antidote, anti-message to the world that we are all 
beloved. You are accepted. You are worthy because of Christ has said this message that you are worth the life of God incarnate. That's a very powerful message that can get us going. So join up. Make an effort to build authentic connections here. Don't just come and go and listen to a good lecture. Make this an agape exercise where you are actually forming relationships. We are launching weekly small gatherings called life groups starting in January. We are hoping to launch a multiple of those. So if you're willing to help out, we are looking for leaders, helpers, logistics helpers, uh, hosts, any number of things. So please let us know if you're willing to step up and help out. We need you to help. Volunteer teams. You know, I want to give thanks to all of you who are volunteering to make this church happen. We need volunteers for River Kids. We need volunteers to click so that the projection goes through. <laughs> you know, you're coming here anyway. Come 15 minutes early or stay 15 minutes late. Just help out a little bit. Get to know some people. What a good opportunity. Give it a try. Please let us know if you're willing to help out. You can write on the connection card or just email me or whatever. Now, if you have any further questions or want to hear more about this, next Sunday, December 4th, we are focusing on this topic, Agape Center Community, in chat with Charles after the service. So we can, have, we can continue this conversation. In fact, we can talk about it today too. After the service, I'll be up there. We have food. Hang out a little bit. Phone connections. Let's build this community together. Sounds good? All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you that you don't engage in fear tactics. Thank you, God, that you are agape that we need in our hearts. We pray now that you would fill the holes in our hearts that are constantly trying to fill it with wrong things. Help us to be truly satisfied in the agape love of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.